Today's show is brought to you by India Partners. They help rescue children. You can find out more at lifewithlisawilliams.com. Hashtag thanks for listening. I'm just a radio girl. I love things that talk to me. You LOL? I did. I truly laughed out loud. Now this may be the dumbest thing in the whole world, but it worked on me. There's a dog chasing a train. Natalie, how old are you? I will pray with you now. Before you leave, I have to pray with you. I'm here for the people in the hood. You know, Jesus is my very, very best friend. Pray without ceasing, which is not some sort of so heavy I can't do it command. It is this breath of fresh air that I am involved in what God is doing in the earth today. I'm Lisa. I'm great. Everything's fine. Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page, please get your mom on Facebook. We want to be her friend. Do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman. <laughs> is that Twitter? Life with Lisa Williams is like a cake. Run around in the sun. Exactly. Put a sprinkler in the yard. This is life. This is this, this is this is life. 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 This is life with Lisa Williams. Today is one of those days when I have random thoughts just pinging around in my head. I think it's partially fatigue, partially the way that I am made, partially hormones. (laughs) And then did I mention fatigue? (laughs) So instead of trying to manipulate my brain into being something more cohesive, I'm just going to let my brain do what it wants to do. And you'll hear this sound every time you're about to hear my brain shift gears. This week, I got to spend time in the nation's capital, and I was with some dear people in the ministry, and it was like being in a think tank, (laughs) which is very common for Washington, D.C., think tanks and smart people and just incredible history. It was an amazing trip. And so you have moments in your life when you're tired because you've pushed yourself and you haven't slept enough and you've done things that are outside the norm, but it's that kind of fatigue that comes from doing something incredibly energizing, incredibly life-giving. And so it's those moments when you are very tired and very opposite of tired, (laughs) like my brain is very happy and I really need a nap. While on an airplane this week, I read USA Today because that's what you do, right? For some reason, I never get a USA Today. But man, when I'm traveling, there it is. And it's just, it's an enjoyable read. It's got all kinds of stuff. And maybe I should buy it more than when I'm just traveling. But anyway, I was on an airplane and it was a complimentary USA Today because I'd gotten it from the uh, hotel. So I don't even buy them when I travel. Just if I get them complimentary, I devour them on the airplane. And it's usually very enjoyable just to read the news and the way that they present it. Well, on the second page of the USA Today that I was devouring on an airplane, there was a commentary from John S. Dickerson. And he was talking about the shooting in Oregon. And he was recalling the suffering in Prescott, Arizona, after 19 firefighters lost their life. And he was talking about tragedy when it comes to your community and how the media is there and everyone's talking about it. But what happens when the spotlight leaves and the community is left with suffering Uh, He's a man who seven years ago left journalism to become a Christian minister, and he began to really see suffering from a completely different um, paradigm, 
because no longer in the media, now he's there amongst those who are hurting. Let me tell you, this is an incredible article, and to read it in USA Today was mind-boggling to me. I want to read a little bit of it to you. Um, Nationally, we are lamenting that this same senseless shooting keeps reoccurring across this country. It seems that only the names of the locations, victims, and killers change from month to month, week to week. And yet, I have seen behind the scenes, and long after the TV news vans leave, another recurring narrative, a more positive recurring story of hope, humanity, unity, and rebuilding. The positive narrative remains consistent in the empty wake, the churning months and years that follow a national tragedy. I have witnessed it as a reporter in the parents of drowned children, in the husband whose wife died, in the activists who fought for immigrants dehydrating in the Arizona desert. I've seen this positive recurring story in the moments of crisis when humans should most likely curse God and turn from any belief in a creator. Many humans embrace their God and renew their spiritual beliefs. More than ritual or obligation, I have seen souls anchor themselves. That is just a portion of the article from John S. Dickerson. And it goes on to become even more and more encouraging. He quotes scriptures from Psalm 34 and Psalm 145. He has written a book called I Am Strong, Finding God's Peace in Life's Darkest Moments. I'm going to post a link to this article at lifewithlisawilliams.com. I want to encourage you, if you are suffering or you know someone who is, to read the article and to share the article and to do something I did. I reached out to the author. I reached out through Facebook to John S. Dickerson. He was published in America's newspaper. Um, Again, at lifewithlisawilliams.com, you can find a link to the article. Something else I read on the airplane that I had to stop reading because it was making me cry. Crying on an airplane is difficult if you're not in a window seat. When you're sitting on the aisle and you have tears streaming down your face, you realize the people around you, the people across the aisle, the people behind you across the aisle, the people sitting right beside you. There's just too many people who are watching you weep openly. So I had to stop reading this book which I plan to pick back up tomorrow because I want to read every word of it by Terry Johnson. Uh, It's called Aim High. Terry Lyndon Johnson. He wrote it with Kay Rizzo. And it is the life story of Terry. And the reason that I was crying is he tells how when he was in second grade, the teacher said very, very derogatory things about him because, come to find out, He has dyslexia, but he was called a retard, which is very offensive on many levels, by his teacher repeatedly. And so the other kids laughed and also called him that word. And, ooh, I'm almost crying again. This little boy who, you know, Terry Johnson ended up getting his PhD and is a leader and is a very gifted person because I had a chance to meet him in Washington, D.C., but to read the story of how he was so stigmatized 
because he was not like the other kids and how those words haunted him his entire life. It was so hard for me to read because I know it happens again and again and again and again and again, where we stigmatize someone and we wound them. Children are wounded by words. You've been wounded by words. I've been wounded by words. We have wounded with our words. And the tears probably flowed because of the pain I felt for him, but also this deep desire inside of me to not wound my children, to see them and to say what I see when I see them with the eyes of God, the beauty, the potential, the incredible things I see when it is just so easy for us to see the negative things in a person and say that. And to compare them to other people and to put people down. Oh, God forbid, God forbid that you and I do that. God forbid that we say things to wound others. God forbid. I'm so thankful that Terry had a mom who loved him. I know this because I was reading the book Aim High, which I'm about to devour over the weekend when I can cry in privacy with nobody on an airplane staring at me. (laughs) Uh, I'm so glad Terry Johnson had a mom who believed in him, a mom who prayed for him, a mom who never stopped speaking that he was going to be great, that God had a plan for his life. Terry, God has a plan for your life. Oh, that we would be like Terry Johnson's mom. Today, I talked to a friend who told me the truth about her struggle. And all I could think while she's talking to me is she is brave. And at one point I thought she's braver than me. She made some very good choices because of things that she was facing. Very good choices. And then she explained to me, How Leslie Bauer telling her story on the show Monday and Tuesday so affirmed the choices that my friend had made. And it was actually very supernatural for my friend to hear Leslie's story. And I'm just so thankful to God for how he loves and how he leads And how he used Leslie's story, her courage in telling her story publicly to encourage someone I love very much. And I'm just thankful for my friend being so brave. My dog has learned how to open the kitchen cabinets. I need to put child locks on my kitchen cabinets, but I haven't yet. And so every day when my dog is bored, when I'm away, I guess I could just put her in the kennel. I hadn't thought of that. I like her to have some freedom while I'm gone, you know, so she has access to the kitchen and she likes to open the kitchen cabinets. And today I came home and she had gotten an entire roll of paper towel and shredded the entire roll. And I haven't cleaned it up yet because it made me tired to look at it. And so I just came upstairs. True confessions. (laughs) I didn't yell at my dog. I did express disappointment you know, I'm really disappointed. And 
when I'm done talking to you, I know I have to go downstairs and face it, but I'm not ready yet. I know there's going to be a future show where we unpack this, uh, maybe an entire week where we unpack this thought, the insipid nature of pride. Just want you to know it's always rattling around in my brain. It's something I think about a lot, the insipid nature of pride. Because when you think of many of the problems that are on our planet today, the insipid nature of pride is what I end up thinking about because people think they're better than other people. You think you're better than someone because of the color of your skin or the color of their skin, because of someone's economic position, because of a race, because of intelligence, because of capabilities. There is this insipid nature of pride where we feel like we're better than, well, I'm certainly better than that addict. I'm certainly better than that murderer. I'm certainly better than fill in the blank. And If you're a Christian, this insipid nature of pride is diametrically opposed to the nature of Christ, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Oh, just above that in Philippians chapter two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. All those words from Philippians chapter two, how do we do that? How do we follow him? How do we live a life of humility following the savior? What does it look like? How can we Bring the insipid nature of pride into the light. And those of us who are Christ followers, how do we follow him? This is a discussion that we just have to have. We have to think about this together. We cannot let the insipid nature of pride dictate our lives anymore. We can't exalt ourselves over other races people who are poor or people who are rich. I mean, think about it. People who have hurt, killed, people who have done bad things. If we think we're better than them, are we saying we think we're better than him because he humbled himself below them all? We've got to talk about this more. We will in the days to come. Okay, I think I'm done now. I think I've gotten everything out of my brain. My fatigued but very happy brain is now satisfied because all the thoughts that have been rattling around inside are now out and have been consumed by you so I don't feel alone anymore. And I feel, as I usually do at the end of a show, extremely encouraged because you have listened. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the friendship you extend to me by spending time with me. Thank you to all my friends who encourage me. You know who you are. Thank you to everyone who shares a show whenever I post it on Facebook. Thank you to everyone who on SoundCloud likes the shows. Thank you. 
to everyone who subscribed to this show on iTunes. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I didn't know what to expect when I started the show May 1st, but as of today, with you listening to this show, um, the shows have been listened to 46,343 times. I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) Uh, My brain is way too tired to respond to that, so I don't know what to say other than thank you. And to God be the glory that he created. He created a medium that we can meet this way. He created our brains so that we can think. My lungs so I have air so that I can say he is awesome. And I can say, as it says in Psalm 63, verse 3, because his love is better than life, my lips will glorify him. (laughs) And thank you for listening Um, so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Jason Rakow for just producing this show and so many in season two. Thank you to Melanie Moritzky for finding wonderful guests for me to talk to. Thank you, Paul and Marianne Goldsmith for encouraging me. And again, hashtag thanks for listening.